listening to The Venue Podcast. The Venue is a worship gathering at Southcrest Baptist Church. We hope that this podcast helps you find your greatest pleasure and purpose in Jesus. Amen, indeed. Hey, ladies in the room, I need a little help here. I'm just curious, show of hands, how many of you, you started thinking about your marriage? You're like 12 years old, you're picking out colors, flowers, dresses, you're pretending to get married. How many of you, that was true of you, raise your hand, don't be shy, you're all right. Okay, now, how many of you dudes did that? Yeah, none of us, right? My, my involvement in planning my wedding went like this. My wife said, what do you wanna do Saturday before the wedding? I said, I wanna play basketball with my friend. She said, don't get hurt, don't be late. I was out, I was done. No other meetings. But it is a joy to be here with you this morning. We have been with a lot of couples in your church this whole weekend with a wonderful marriage retreat, and it is good to be back in Texas. I am a native Texan, born and raised in Canyon, Texas, just up the road here. And so it is good to be back because we now reside in a place that's very different than Texas. We live in Denver, Colorado. And it is very, very different uh, than growing up in Texas. But about four months ago, the Lord called us to Cherry Hills Community Church, uh, where I serve as our executive pastor there. And so it's been a huge, huge change for us. My wife, Leah, is right here on the front row. We've been married 14 years in a row, straight through. And so those are great. We got two wonderful daughters, nine and 10, and they are back home uh, staying with our youth pastor. So we'll see how that goes, okay? Uh, But we are excited for that. And it has been just a joy to be here and to be back in a place where uh, I spent a really long time uh, and uh, have a lot of good memories of coming down to Lubbock and visiting. And it's a joy to be here with you at Southcrest this morning as we are going to talk about marriage, okay? Don't panic, I promise you, it's gonna be okay. Nobody needs to run out here, okay? Uh, when our, our daughter, we are, we are two girls, they are a year apart and they might as well be worlds apart. And our youngest, she has always been our girly girl. She has been into the dolls and the dresses and the big bows. And uh, when she was a little girl, uh, we knew she was at her preschool. We knew they were gonna be watching Snow White that day. And so when uh, my wife picked her up from school, she said, Dilly, how was, how was school today? Oh, mom, it was so good. Oh, you got to watch Snow White, yes. And Hunsley just goes through the whole play by play. And then she ends kind of with her story. And Leah says, yeah, but they lived happily ever after, right? And she said, no, mom, they got married. But I promise you today, no matter how you feel about marriage, whether you are married or happily married, whether you were married, want to be married, think about marriage, whether you just love crashing weddings or eating wedding cake, I promise you there will be something for you this morning. And so don't check out just because you think it's a topic for married people. I do hope you have a Bible or a way to access scripture, and I really hope you have something to write with and something to write on as we're going to dig into God's Word this morning. Uh, We're going to begin in Matthew chapter 19, and we're going to begin in verse 4, and we're going to see a huge truth that I made clear to your uh, marriage retreat this weekend over and over and over. And so Matthew 19 verse 4 says, have you not read that he who created them, notice that, he who created them from the beginning made them male and female, And he said, it's for this reason that a man should leave his father and mother, be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. So they are no longer two, 
but one flesh. Notice this, if you uh, are the person who's okay marking in your Bibles, I think this is a great spot to mark. What therefore God has joined together, let no man separate. So I'm gonna give us three practical points at the very end. You see those in your notes, but if you wanna flip that little note sheet over, I'll give you some things to guide you along the way. And I think the very first thing that's important to jot down this morning is that marriage was created by God from the very beginning. Okay, this is a really significant truth. We as the world don't get to redefine marriage because we were not the ones who defined marriage to begin with. This is a crucial piece and it is essential no matter how old you are or where you are today because we have a world today that has constantly rejected the oath and the commitment and the confines that God has put on marriage. We have a world today that is constantly trying to say, hey, marriage can look however you want it to look. Right? This says marriage is just not necessary. Basically, if you want to see a man gain weight and a woman quit shaving, get them married, right? It was saying 2022, the world would say, marriage isn't that big of a deal. What a foolish statement, amen? What we see from God's word is that, look, marriage was created by God. It's his institution. And there's a key truth that I reiterated over and over this weekend that I think is, is so alarming. A great marriage is not statistically probable. We've now crossed over 50% in our divorce rate today. And a great marriage is just not probable. It's just not likely to happen from the world's perspective. But what I would tell you this morning, based on the truth of Scripture, is that a great marriage is possible. That doesn't mean it's easy, okay? Marriage is not easy. My wife would say, amen. But a great marriage is possible when we do marriage God's way. And I would tell you this, having a great marriage, having a great relationship is not going to happen by accident. They say love is blind. But marriage is an eye-opener. And for so many of us, we just don't know what a great godly spouse is supposed to look like. We just, we just don't know how it is that we're supposed to do marriage God's way. The writer of Proverbs tells us in chapter 26, verse 12, do you see a man wise in his own eyes? Man, there's more hope for a fool than for him. A few years back, I was traveling a lot. I have been in a position of being a teaching pastor and a kids pastor at times, and, and uh, then I've spent the last three years as a senior pastor. And so in that season where I was just traveling a ton for youth camps and disciple nows and things, I was back and forth through Dallas a ton. We were living in Tennessee at the time. And if you've ever traveled through Dallas Love Field, you know that those thunderstorms just pop up out of nowhere and they just shut the thing down. And so I'm sitting there in one of those delays, no flights are going anywhere. And I just happened to sit kind of across from a table, a man asked to sit down. I would say he was 80. I don't really know how old he was. I would put him at 80. He had his uh, kind of a World War II hat or Vietnam hat. He, he had a little cane. He was sitting there in a chair. And, and of course, he's, he's not messing around on his phone or doing any of those bad habits like I was doing. He was just sitting there. And, and I just kind of began striking up a conversation. I kind of put all my stuff down and we began to talk and we talked faith and family and all these kind of things. He was a deacon at his church and we had a wonderful conversation. He reminded me so much of my grandfather. So all of a sudden they start making announcements, say the weather's cleared. And so we just get ready to go. And I said, sir, I'm, I'm headed back home. I'll be preaching tomorrow. I just wonder, what, could, you got any nuggets? You got any wise pearls of wisdom for somebody like me? who's just trying to figure out this life. And he said, let me tell you this, in order to be as successful as you can possibly be in life, 
there's only two statements that you ever need. Yes, Lord, and yes, dear, in that order. <laughs> it's a great wisdom to seek the Lord and to, and to be a faithful spouse. A great marriage is possible. It's certainly not statistically probable, but it is possible when we seek God first because what we understand today is that while a marriage is not easy, anyone who's in here could attest to that, it's not really as hard as we make it because if we were being really honest, what is ultimately hard is seeking the Lord above everything else. That's really where the challenge lies today. And that's why this message is for everyone in this room. And so I know that there are two groups of people in this room today. You are either married or you are not married, okay? And so if you are married this morning, here's what I would love for you to jot down. If today you are in a marriage, I would even add in if you are engaged, you're about to be married, here is the piece that I would want you to take away today, and that is simply this. You must seek God more than you seek your spouse. If you're married today and you're trying to figure out what is it, how is it that I'm supposed to get this marriage to look like God created to be the most important piece is that you must seek God more than you seek your spouse. You cannot seek your spouse over the Lord because at some point your spouse will let you down. Even me, faithful servant of the Lord most high, has on occasion let my lovely wife down. Every single one of us is imperfect. Every single one of us is a sinful individual and expecting an actual person to meet all of your needs is simply not possible and is going to end in disappointment. But that's not what the world tells us, right? The world says there is a soulmate out there. Go search for the perfect individual. There is a perfect individual out there. Go find him. Go find her. Disney has made a fortune doing this. And so we send people out into the world, not seeking the Lord, but seeking this perfect individual to be our spouse. I was there. I, I, I didn't have it all figured out from the beginning. When I met my wife, I was praying all right, praying that the hot girl across the room would give me a glance or something. And fit, thankfully, God heard my cries. But we see the truth of scripture, the very words of Jesus in Matthew 6, verse 33, tell us, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and then all these things will be added unto you. It's certainly not natural to be in a place where we are seeking the Lord. It is much more natural to be in a place where we are seeking our own kingdom, where we are seeking our own wants, where we are seeking our own desires. It is a much more natural place to live looking out for self first. And that was a learning curve for us as we dated early on. And then as we kind of got into our marriage and, and my life shifted from corporate America kind of into ministry very unexpectedly. And then we, we had kids and we had two of them really close together and that shocked us, okay? And, and, and trying to figure that out was a challenge. But as we walked along and as we figured it out, what, what became very clear is we have to avoid the tendency to chase our expectations for marriage. Because when you chase your expectations for marriage, you end up with a, a very deadly equation that I think looks like this. When you chase your expectations, at some point you will always end up disappointed. When you chase your expectations, at some point, so, whatever you're chasing will disappoint you. And when you experience disappointment in the context of a relationship, when you experience disappointment in the context of a marriage, and you experience that disappointment over and over and over again, eventually you find yourself in a state of despair. 
Our expectations give way to disappointment. Repeated disappointment gives way to despair. And when you find yourself in a state of despair in your marriage, divorce is right around the corner. We can't chase our expectations for our marriage. Now, some of you today, you don't have a problem seeking your spouse. Uh, For some of you, your problem is you're you're chasing after your kids. Some of you, your life is totally wound up in chasing your kids and their happiness. For some of you, you're chasing after status or pride or power or wealth or addiction or, or, or something like that. It's, it's not necessarily, but no matter how you do it, your life will never work right if you are seeking something first other than God. There's a little a graphic here that I showed at the retreat this weekend. It's very simple that says, hey, no matter how we do it, the only possible way that we increase the closeness to our spouse and the closeness to the Lord at the same time is that we have to both seek him. That if I were to seek my spouse, I still end up the same distance away from God. That, that oftentimes, even if one spouse were to seek the Lord and the other spouse wasn't, while that is at least a, a benefit, we still end up the same distance apart. That ultimately, it is only by both of us seeking God first that we find the proximity and the closeness in our marriage that God has planned from the beginning. And it yields a very different equation. It yields a very different equation that says, when I put godly expectations in the forefront, then I find myself experiencing godly contentment. When I face godly expectations, when I chase after those things God says to expect, then I find myself being content in God. And the person who is content, a person who is content in a marriage, finds the ability to be comfortable with that individual. And as a husband and wife, when you become comfortable with one another, that is the place where we find intimacy and we find intimate connection that God designed from the very beginning. Genesis 2, verse 23, the man said, this is now bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. For this reason, a man should leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife and they should become one flesh. That is an intimate connection, but it is not just a physical intimacy because when we set aside our expectations and we pick up God's expectations and we chase after him, what we find is that the intimacy that God designed in a marriage is both physical and emotional and spiritual and mental. It's this unbelievable closeness and proximity that's created in a marriage. And I believe that the conduit that God uses to create that connection and to create that connection in your marriage is prayer. That prayer gives intimacy to a marriage. That prayer brings about connection into a marriage. That that for whatever reason, prayer is a small habit or a small piece that has a big outcome. Some of you remember where you were, 1986. I was just up the road in Miss Madewell's class. We turned on the TV because there was an incredibly historic learning experience that day. The space shuttle Challenger was set to launch. Seven crew members and a satellite, $2 billion had been sent, which at the time would just be an astronomical amount, to send this crew into space. Some of you remember watching it in your class as well. And there you were as kids gathered around the TV, or there you were as an adult. And 73 seconds into flight, we know what happened the first fatality in American spacecraft flight. That was heartbreaking. But I think the most heartbreaking piece of that story, if you remember, was 
the investigation on the back end revealed that the cause was a faulty O-ring, a part that cost less than 900 bucks and would have been fixed in 30 seconds. Man, really small things can have really big impacts. And can I just tell you that you don't have to do it and you don't have to listen. I can't make you do it, but I can tell you, I will only speak truth. Those at the marriage conference know I'm just a straight shooter. Things will change in your marriage tomorrow if you'll start praying together today. It's just a simple truth. But sadly, as I would just read body language and understanding, the statistics would probably play out here at Southcrest just as the statistics are that we know that only about one in 10 couples, Christian couples, can you believe that? Only about one in 10 Christian couples are praying together regularly and routinely with their spouse. Prayer is an incredible conduit that God has given us. Matthew 22, verse 37, he said, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. This is the great and foremost commandment, and the second is like it, to love your neighbor as yourself. Now, maybe today you aren't married, and you would say, well, what, what is it in this for me? I'm not married, I'm dating, or maybe I'm just successfully single, I'm not really interested. Maybe you're just a high school student, a middle school student, and you're like, hey, maybe one day, but that's so far from the radar right now. What is in this? How am I supposed to get something out of a marriage talk? Well, here's what I would give you. If you're the crowd in the room today who is not married and not engaged, here's what I would tell you to do. You must seek God while you prepare for your spouse. You must seek God first and you must begin this work of preparing for your spouse. My background is as a kid's pastor and I have seen this play out so many times. Young couples who come in and, and they get married and they begin to raise a family and that whole God equation never crosses their mind because we tell young people who are dating, we say, don't talk about religion or politics, right? And I say, I'd talk about both. It's gonna make Thanksgiving a lot more fun and it's gonna save you a lot of unnecessary heartache down the road. Because the most common thing that I hear as a family walks in, I'll say, hey, what brought you to church today? What, what, what can we help you with? Well, the story tends to go something like this. We had some connection to church growing up. We haven't been in church, but now little Junior here is old enough and we feel like we probably need to get him into some kind of church like we were in some kind of church. And you wanna see that reality is playing out all across the college campus that you have right here in this town. It is playing out all across the professional work environment as young people today are doing dating however they want, living however they want, believing at some point they will finally settle down and begin the process of work looking for a godly individual. They've fallen for this lie that I can date whoever I want, however I want, whenever I want. And ultimately at some point when, when I'm much further down the road, then I'm ready to get serious. Well, then I'll find someone who's more marriage material. And listen, if you're not married today, young students or young adults in this room, I just need to caution you because believing that lie may cause you to meet someone down the road that you are so into, who is just a great godly individual, but who just isn't into you because of all the baggage that you now come with. 
Like attracts like. And I would simply tell you this. If you want to have a godly marriage someday, I would encourage you to live a godly life today. That while you are seeking the Lord first and foremost, and you're beginning the process of preparing for your spouse, You've got to seek God first. Jeremiah 29, verse 13 says, you will seek me and you will find me when you search for me with all your heart. Because here's a staggering statistic, greater than 93% of those in this room who aren't married will be married someday. This content is virtually for all of us. And so as you begin that process, let me just tell you, the greatest place you could ever hope to be is number two in the heart of someone who has Jesus, number one. And so I don't know what your status is, I'm going to give you three things, though. And I believe whether you are uh, divorced today, whether you are trying to blend a family today, uh, whether you are completely indifferent to marriage right now at this point in your life, whether you've been married five seconds, five months, five years, 50 years, whatever the case may be, I believe that the secret to your life and to your relationships is that you've got to seek God first. And so as we close, you'll see there's just three points that I want to give you to make that happen. So the first is this, in order to seek God first, you'll see that blank right there. I believe you have to have the mindset of Jesus. In order to seek God first, it begins with the mindset of Jesus. The mindset of Jesus was what? It was that of a servant. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve. And so it is the truth that when we truly love like Jesus, then the very byproduct in our life is Jesus. Philippians 2, verses five through seven, say, have this attitude in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus, who although existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God as a thing to be grasped, but he emptied himself, taking the form of a bondservant and being made in the likeness of man. Jesus modeled servanthood and a successful husband and a successful wife live their life the same way. I shared this weekend at the retreat the lie that your marriage is not a 50-50 split. It is 100-100 only by both of you being fully committed and cooperating and vulnerable and sharing one another's burdens do we create a space where we are safe and secure and successful. I would say it like this. A successful marriage equals two servants in love. A failed marriage equals two masters in love. If you want to have success in your relationship, success in your marriage, it begins by taking on the very mindset of Christ, saying not how can my spouse serve me, but rather how can I serve my spouse. Number two, to put Christ first, we have to have the very makeup of Jesus. To seek God first, it starts with understanding the makeup of Jesus, which is the very power of Jesus. Tony included it in his prayer. Everything that is, is from God, by God, and exists for God. And you say, well, what is everything? What is it that I'm supposed to then seek him over? Our occupation, our kids, our hobbies, our job, our resources, our money, all of those things are to come secondary to seeking Christ and that especially includes our marriage. We are to seek him first. If your marriage is not blessing God today, why would we expect God to turn around and bless our marriage? We've got to seek him above everything else. Galatians 5.22 reminds us the fruit of the spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Let me just ask you, does your relationship need any of those things today? 
If you were being really honest, is there any marriage in here that could use a little joy? Is there any marriage that could use just a little peace? Any relationship that could use just a little bit of love? Because you see, when we take these very things of God, we begin to put them in and it changes everything. Look, marriage is work and it takes work. And there are days, thanks to me, that our marriage is a lot of work. But ultimately, I would tell you, we laugh and we have fun more than anything else. Does it take work? Yes. But that success doesn't come in our own strength. It doesn't come in our own spirit. It comes in the spirit of God alone. Look, if you want the presence of God, if you want the power of God in your marriage, if you want the power of God in your relationship, if you want the power of God in your life today, listen, then you need the presence of God in those things. How can we ever expect God to bless our marriage when our marriage and our life isn't blessing him? And the last one is this. In order to put God first, we have to have the methods of Jesus. We have to have the methods of Jesus. We have to have the, the very nature of Jesus. Renewal in relationships comes from the very nature of Christ. And I think oftentimes we miss this because Christ comes and he does a work. Placing God doesn't just take away our old sin nature. Coming to this relationship with Christ doesn't just mean that you are forgiven. It doesn't just mean that there is a newness in your relationship or your life or your marriage, whatever the case may be, but it means that Christ replaces it with a completely new nature, that what was formerly there is gone and what remains is new. You, you ever been to a bonfire? Sure you have, you live in West Texas. Right now we're in the evenings in about the 40s, we get down into the 40s at night and we love sitting around the fire out back. You see our whole neighborhood, everybody has the fire going and that's a great way to close out an evening. But if you've ever sat around a fire, you know a hard truth, right? That if you've been to a bonfire, everyone will know it. Why? Because you smell like it. There's actually a great Pinterest hack, though. I looked it up. You go on Pinterest, you can find all kinds of things on Pinterest. I'm there all the time, okay? There's a great Pinterest hack. If you find yourself, you go to a bonfire and you just reek of it, there's a great hack on Pinterest. It's very simple. Burn your clothes and shave your head. Okay, that's works every time they say. But it's obvious. If we've been around a bonfire, it's obvious to everybody else. I know this is this is kind of hard. But look, if you want if you want to do your marriage, if you want to do your relationship, if you want to do your life God's way, then you have to be willing to let God rid your life of all the things that stink. You have to be able to say, this needs to be removed. This has no business being there. If you want a successful life, if you want a successful marriage, if you want a successful relationship, you've gotta let him get rid of the stuff that no one else in this room knows is in your life. You've gotta let him rid it of those pictures, those messages, those addictions, that anger, that pride, those things that you work so hard to cover up, but that stink in your life. And you've got to fully remove them. Colossians 3 verse 10 says, put on the new self, 
who is being renewed to a true knowledge according to the image of one who created him. I'm going to ask you a hard question this morning. I'm going to ask you to be honest with yourself. What today stinks in your life? What is it today that stinks in your relationship? What is it today that stinks in your marriage? What is it today that if you were being just completely honest, you, yourself, and the Lord, you would say, this item right here has no business being in my life? The very word of Jesus told us, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. I know that there are a whole bunch of people in here this morning who are chasing things that are not of Christ. You're chasing status, you're chasing pride, you're chasing immorality, sexuality, addiction, whatever the case may be. And today you recognize, man, my life stinks. But what would happen if whatever context that is true today, you came and said, I'm gonna remove that garbage and I'm gonna replace it with God Almighty? What change would begin to take place? How different would things look? Because the number one thing, I will tell you this, the number one thing that ruins your life, the number one thing that will ruin your dating relationship, the number one thing that will ruin your marriage, here it is, you ready for it? It's chasing anything else more than Christ. It may not get you today, but at some point it will get you and so you say hey what does this look like for me I think it looks very simple like this if you're a student in here this morning you are so far from marriage it's not even on your radar you want to know what what should the advice be for me here's the advice seek God first you're a young adult, you're preparing, you're dating. Hey, you're kind of anxious, like, hey, my clock is ticking. I had a plan. I was supposed to be married by this age. I was supposed to have a kid by this age. What should I do today? I'm filled with anxiety trying to get married. What should I do today? You should seek God first. Say you're married today. You're newlyweds or you're nowhere near newlyweds. You say, man, our marriage is a struggle. Our marriage is a strain. Yeah, maybe you need some help. And if that's the case, you, need, you should talk to Tony. We've talked about what this church provides marriages. But more than anything, you should seek God first. If today you're in a blended home, both of you have divorce in your background, you're trying to put those things together and it's tricky and it's delicate because they're your kids and they're their kids and they're with you sometimes and they're not with you sometimes and we just don't know what to do. Let me tell you what you need to do today. Today, you need to seek God first. Maybe today you're in this room because and you say, I'm not married because I'm widowed. And I lost the love of my life. 14 months ago, my mom got that title also. I don't know how she's making it. And I don't know what to tell her other than just seek God first. I don't know what your life is today but it will change. Whatever stinks will change if you will seek God first. F-I-R-S-T. Families, interests, relationships, schedules, troubles. Would you do me a favor? Would you just not put your stuff away? Would you just bow your heads?
Close your eyes as the band comes because I'm gonna ask you a question and I want you to think about this answer and then I'm gonna pray for us. So just get with yourself quietly here and here's the question I'm gonna put in front of you. If you just focus on this question and in the steel of that moment, you would just answer this right here. Today, Lord, I need to stop putting blank first so that I can seek you first. That's a hard truth. Would you stir on that? See what the Lord puts on your heart while I pray for you? Father, I pray for this moment, Lord, that you would just capture the spirit right here, that you would not let the enemy disrupt the closing right here, Lord, that you would speak to a heart, that you would do a work, God, that is greater than what I can communicate, that's not manipulated through my words or through worship, but that is a full, authentic movement of the Holy Spirit. Father, I pray that you would just make it so clear. My guess is the people in this room who are sitting still, who are listening for you, Father, who are listening for your word, know exactly what it is. Today, I need to stop putting blank first. And I need to seek you first. Father, I pray you would take the movement that you started this weekend with those 20 couples Lord, and you would just create a ripple effect that Southcrest Baptist Church would be a place where marriages are strengthened, healed, renewed, where grace is extended, where the Holy Spirit is alive and well. Lord, that marriage, that husband and wife who have sat together for this 30 minutes and it was awkward because there is fracture and there are trust issues, there's suspicion, there's healing, there's newness. That person who so badly wants to be married already and just isn't? Father, would you meet every single need right where they are? Thank you for being a God that is sufficient. It's in your name we pray. Amen. If you were encouraged by today's message, subscribe and rate us wherever you stream your podcasts. To learn more about the venue at Southcrest, visit us online at southcrest.org or on Facebook and Instagram by searching for Southcrest Baptist Church. 